Today's shir will begin at the bottom of Daf Chof Omid Beis, at the beginning of the new parak, the third parak of Nidorim. The Mishnah introduces different types of vows that do not need to be rescinded. In other words, the vow is meaningless as far as a vow is concerned, and hence one is not bound from the outset. And as a result, we say that it's a vow that doesn't need to be rescinded by a she'elas chocham, by seeking the absolution of the vow through uh, consultation with a Torah scholar. The Mishnah itself, in addition to introducing these four different categories, it will focus on what's called Nidre Ziruzin. As far as the explanation of these four different categories, the Mishnayas themselves, as the Perik progresses, will offer explanation. So it's not of uh, immediate importance of any degree of urgency in order in to, uh, to explain these terms. So now the Mishnah. There are four categories of vows that the Chachomim say you don't have to uh, you're not bound, and you don't need to consult a chocham for its absolution. Nidrei Ziruzin, Nidrei Havai, you can see we've indicated Chof Dalar Medbeis, that's where the uh, Mishnais themselves will explain what Nidrei Havai is, Nidrei Shgogois, to be explained on Daf Chof He Omid Beis, and Nidrei Oinsen, to be explained on Daf Chof Zayin Omid Aleph. And after stating the four categories, this Mishnah uh, focuses on the first, Nidre Ziruzin Ketzad. What do we mean by Nidre Ziruzin? Again, we're avoiding uh, translating the word Ziruzin because it's best understood by simply seeing the example. What is meant by Nidre Ziruzin? A person was interested in selling an article, the Omar, and he said, Koinam is a term that we've seen very often in the past. It's a, an expression re- referring to a, a vow. He vows that the, the money that he gets for this object will be forbidden to him. If I, get, if I reduce the purchase price any less than four dinarim, a sela is a coin and it's also uh, it contains four dinarim, another denomination is a quarter the size of a selah. So he says that I'm, I'm willing to sell you this item but I'm not going to sell it to you for any less than four dinar. Uh, and, and the vow is in effect saying that any money less than four dinar that I get for this uh, object will be forbidden to me from any benefit. For hello, Omer, the buyer who's not interested in paying a lot of money, he says, A shekel is two dinar. So he is announcing with a vow that I will not benefit from this article if, if I buy it, if I have to pay any more than two dinar. So the seller is saying, I want four. The buyer is saying, I'm willing to pay two. The Mishnah continues at the top of Chof Aleph. Shnehem roitzim b'shloisha dinarim. Both are really interested in paying three dinar. The run at the top of the uh, page. Shnehem roitzim b'shloisha dinarim. Shamoichoh yadaitu l'shloisha. The seller 
initially had in mind three. The seller just uh, through what that what she was saying was trying to uh, get to urge the uh, the buyer uh, to um, relinquish his uh, his original stated position of two, and that she asked him she should agree to three, and that's why the seller spoke the way he did. His his reference to four was really with the in, intention of getting three for it. Likewise, the buyer he intended to pay three. and he had no intention in his vowing other than to urge the seller to agree to that amount. And not to. Uh, um, Remain intransigent regarding four dinar. The, and it's because of this that the nether doesn't get off the ground. The time of the milsa, the reason for it is this is normal commercial behavior. It's normal for sellers and buyers to deal thusly. And that's why it's not called. Uh, matters that are in one's heart. Now, this is a concept that uh, appears all elsewhere. That, that we say often dvaram shebelev things that you things items or were I should say uh, thoughts that are you are thinking enam dvaram. Once again, dvaram shebelev enam dvaram things that you are merely thinking that you don't articulate that you don't utter they are of no consequence. In this case. We we don't say that this the dealing here between the two people is in the category of Dvorah Shabalev merely uh, internal thoughts because this is the way people always do business. So therefore, as we see here, there is no vow because there was never any real intention on the Moher to to expect the four and for the seller to pay a mere two. The Gemara. Arba Nidarim Hetiru Chachamim Vichulei. The Mishnah said there are four categories of vows that don't need to be need to be rescinded or to be absolved. In other words, there's no vow to begin with. Omar Lei Rabbi Abba Bar Momola Rabbi Ami. On the side, by the way, we have a no say a topic heading, and in this piece of Gemara we'll see Shnei Deos. That's why you already saw a number one. A few lines later, Rava appears with a number two. There's a Shnei Deos in Mishnah Senu. Rakaliba the Rabbi Yehuda b'Shem Rabbi Tarfon is our Mishnah authored only by Rabbi Tarfon. Or maybe our Mishnah can be resolved even according to the opinion of the Rabbonon. Of course, we haven't said what Rabbi Tarfan and the Rabbonon argue about, <coughs> so now we'll see in the Gemara. So Rabbi Abba says to Rabbi Ami, Amris Lon Mishmei Rabbi Nasiah. You have said to us in the name of Rabbi Nasiah, Man Tana Arba Nedarim, who is the Tanaic authority Responsible for our Mishnah of four of the four categories of Nedarim, Rabbi Yehuda he the Omar Mishum Rabbi Tarfin. It is Rabbi Yehuda and his opinion or his quote of Rabbi Tarfin that's to, that says what? What did Rabbi Yehuda say in the name of Rabbi Tarfin? In a case where there are two people standing, 
and they see someone coming from the distance. And one says, I'll be a Nazir if that guy coming from the distance is a Nazir. And the other fellow says, well, I'll be a Nazir if the guy coming from this distance is not a Nazir. So at the time they accepted the Nazirite ship, they were not on sure footing because they, they made their nether dependent on an, some outside source, on some outside cause. So at, at the time they stated the nether, it wasn't a nether stated with assuredness. As a result of that, Rabbi Tarfin holds that there is no Nazirus. Nazirus is a Nazirite ship, is a form of vows. It's a subcategory of vows. So what we're saying here applies to all vows. And why is that the case? Because Nazirus, acceptance of Nazirus is done, as the Ran explains, only when it's done without conditions. The term haflaw, you find in general, when you look at the Mephorshim, it means very clear, certain speech. A vow that is made but dependent on some uh, uh, external conditions, so it's not a statement made with certainty. It's a statement that's dependent on something else. So it's not in the category of haflaw. Now the word haflaw is really based on the Torah pasuk ishkiyafli lindor neder lashem. Yafli has to do with clear, certain speech, and and that being the case, so our Mishnah re- represents uh, vows that are are taken that are not categorized as haflaw as clear certain speech if we look at the uh, at the Ran you could see in the middle of the page more or less the Ran says and likewise with regard to vows the Iskish that are compared to Nazirus the Lo Chayel Elim Kenya Kabo Blo tonight. It, they, it doesn't take hold unless one accepts it without any conditions. The mocher and the lokeach, the uh, seller and the buyer that made their vow dependent on something conditional, even though they violate their condition, their neder does not take hold. In other words, they in in the way we uh, in the way the Mishnah presented the Mochir says, "I will not benefit from the money if and notice there if it is sold for any less than four dinar." So his vow was what not to benefit from the item, but the vow itself was stated in a conditional form, and therefore, as the Ran explains it, the vow does not get off the ground. And once again, that's all according to Rabbi Tarfon. The Rabbonon would disagree. However, we continue in the Gemara, Rava Omar, Afilu Temo Rabbonon. You can even set up our Mishnah in accordance with the Rabbonon. Now, the Rabbonon disagreed with the case of the Nazirus. That is, that even though the Nazirus was stated conditionally, when the condition is met, so the person whose condition was met will become a nausea. However, in our Mishnah, even the Rabbonin will agree that there is no vow. Mikotani shnehem rotsu, 
does the language of the Mishnah state that both wanted? That's not what it says. Rather, Shneim Roitzim Katani. The language of the Mishnah is in the, we'll say in the in the constant, in the present constant form, Shneim Roitz both want Katani. That's what is stated. Let us look at the Ran uh, explanation on what Rava is saying. Rava Omar, Afilu Mi Katani Shnehem Rotsu. Does the Mishnah say it in that form of speech? Klomar, the Masnisen, the Nidre Ziruzin, the Mishnah that said that Nidre Ziruzin are, are, are not Nidorim, they are not binding. Lav Mishum Haflohi. It's not because of that consideration that they that they lack the uh, the certainty of speech. Elo mishum shesomu chachomim daitom. The rather it's because the chachomim noticed or they analyzed shelo nodru bedafka elo lazares. The neder was not with the intent of imposing on themselves any restriction. From the outset, it was rather to urge on Lazares, to urge on the other party. Demikotoni Rotsu, does it say in the Mishnah, Sherotsu Shihei Mashmauso, Sherotsu Libasof, which would imply that uh, at the end, at the end of the deal, at the end of the, the time frame, they acquiesced to three. doesn't say that. Shneem Rotsim Kotoni. The mashma mitchilo v'yatsof. The expression of the Mishnah is they both want, which indicates from beginning, from the from the very outset, they were interested in the sale of three, of paying, of receiving three and paying three respectively. So that the uh, the original netter that was formulated around the numbers four on the part of the seller and two on the part of the buyer. Those numbers were basically irrelevant, so that the the vow that they said concerning surrounding those numbers was never meant seriously, as we say from the very outset. So the as far as Rova is concerned, the language of the Mishnah shows us that the Mishnah can conform to all Tanaic authorities, and not as was uh, suggested before in the number one approach that it would be limited to Rebbe Tarfon. As you can see, there's a slash mark, which indicates that we continue now with a new trend of thought. On the side of the Gemara, we have a Nosei topic heading, Hanoidrim Tfemi Sela. We have a buyer and seller like we had before, and the buyer would be vowing, I am not going to uh, benefit if, an, if I get any less than an amount that's more than a seller. And Vasheni Omer Pochos Mishekel, and the buyer says, "I won't benefit from the item if I have to pay an amount that would be anything other than less than a shekel." In other words, if I pay an amount less than a shekel, then fine and good. Hayim Neder Havi, does this constitute a real vow? Havi, or is this? Another example of Ziruzin. So we uh, turn to the Gemara. Omar le Ravina le Ravashi. 
Omar lo, tfei The seller says that I won't benefit, he takes a, the, the vow, and that he won't benefit from the money received if it's going to be an amount, any, uh, any amount that is not more than a seller. Now, according to this, if he were to get a seller, that's not enough. He has to get an amount more than a seller. And the buyer says, Boxer Mishekel. That I won't, won't I, I'm not going to benefit from the item if the amount that I pay is going to be any amount that is a shekel or more. In other words, only if I'm willing to pay, only if I end up paying less than a shekel, then I'll be able to benefit from it. But if, if I'm going to pay an amount greater than, less than a shekel, then I won't benefit. Though the question then is, Nidrahave or is is that an is that an actual neder, or is it also an example of ziruzin? We glance at the rosh commentary that you'll find uh, on the lower part of the page, the first of the widest lines of the rosh. Pirush o oh, ihu the uh, case that the Gemara is asking about according to the Rosh is either this one says Tfemi Sela or the Mocher says the, the buyer says the Kone says less than a Shekel Rak Shia Beinehem Yoiser Mishekel the the point is is that the gap between the uh, price of the buyer and the seller is going to be more than a Shekel or two Dinar Mi Amrinon do we say masnis and davka katani b'shein beinayim elo chazi sela b'mekach hashavish loishadinrim? Is the Mishnah being very literal in its example, where the the gap between the the buyer and the seller is two dinar in a in a in an item that eventually is sold for three dinar? Oidarkom lidor k'dei lazares avok k'shein muflagin zemize yoiser. Oz ein darkum lazares. Do we say then the, uh, uh, when the gap is more than two dinar, then it's no longer a function of zeros, but rather they are really uh, serious about their vow. Oh, Dilma or maybe the Mishnah's example is not literally a gap of two dinar, but in general people uh, will. Will will we'll speak thusly? Will make these non-vows in order to urge the other party on to uh, changing their stated price. The Gemara answers this by citing a Tanaic source uh, featuring a different topic, but it has to do with the way people speak. Omar Lay, Tanino Surav Ashi says, you can see an answer to your question from the following Tanaic source. Notice, by the way, that this is all part of a long answer. You have a, a case of two uh, parties, two friends. Uh, Mr. A is imploring upon Mr. B, was pressuring Mr. B to uh, join him for a meal. The Omar Lo, and Mr. B responds, He takes a vow, and he says that your, your house is uh, 
is forbidden unto me uh, for entrance. In other words, I vow not to enter, and I I won't even drink a drop of of a cold beverage. So under those circumstances, the person was being uh, pressured into visiting and to have a meal, and the respondent says, "I'm not." even put step one foot into your house and not even eat, eat one drop of or drink one drop of beverage. The result of this is mutur likones lebeso v'lechol kimo v'lishtos heimenu tipas tsonein It is allowed for the for Mr. B uh, to, yes, to enter the house and eat a little bit and to drink a little drop of cold beverage. When he vowed, I'm not going to enter your house whatsoever, and I'm not going to eat even a, a drink even a drop. His intent was for a full blown. I, I I I swear not to eat a full meal and have a full drink. Vamai, why do we say that he is allowed to enter? Did he not say that he swears not to benefit even from a single drop? Rather, that's the way people speak when they want to say that they're they want they want to forswear benefiting from a whole meal and a whole uh, uh, series of drinks. They speak that way, even saying even a drop. But that's not what their intention is. So too, when a person says misela or pachos mishakel. It's also an example of ziruzin. It's not to be taken literally. And it's not, therefore, stated with any real vow intent. So, at this point then, we see uh, Rav Ashi's response to Ravina's question. However, Ravina has a comeback. Omar Lay. <clears throat> Notice, this is a question that lasts a number of lines, and it Essentially, we end off in a question form, the issue being unresolved. Ravina says back, Mi Domi, how can you compare the case of the guest being invited for a meal <coughs> to the case of a commercial transaction? When it comes to, Tsonein is the case of the fellow being invited over for the meal, the way of the righteous is to speak little and do a lot. Now, what, is, what does that mean for us? We look at the Rashi at the top. The inviter, Mr. A, who is pressuring the fellow to come over to have a, a, little, a little bite and a little drink, when he was pressuring the fellow, his friend, to come over, he had really intended for him to come over for a big meal and a big drink. That's the way of people, righteous people, to uh, say little, offer a little, and then when it comes to action, actually present a lot. And when the, the, the guest, Mr. B, said back, I swear I'm not going to have even a drop of drink, that drop that you are offering to me, that's what I'm not going to eat. 
you're offering in reality a large meal. And I am I'm forswearing the large meal. She didn't have intent to forswear benefiting even from a, a little drop. Or rather, What the vow really covers is a large meal and a lot of drinks, but not a little taste or a little, a little drop of beverage. That's as far as the meal case is concerned, and that's why the Although the vow was stated in terms of even a morsel I won't eat, he is in effect allowed to eat it. Because that was never the intent of the original vow. Rashi continues, Viziruzin have, and that in effect would also be like we saw before, Ziruzin umuter, and there would be no nedro. Dilmodavka komar venitra have, or maybe he is being very specific. And because he's, because the speakers here are, have added the detail, namely, pochos misela, or Yerusha al shekel. In other words, very simply put, it's not similar to the case of the person being invited. Whereas there, there was no ro- there's no room to think that it's an actual vow. In this case, in the commercial transaction, there is room to think that it's an actual vow. And that's why the Gemara can, uh, ends off by saying Tiboi. Just we'll read the, uh, the let's read the last the Gemara again from the second line from the top. Hacha sveikahu. Here, in the case of the commercial transaction, there's an element of doubt. Maybe this too is an example of Ziruzin. Or maybe they are being quite literal. And it would constitute a real vow. This remains unresolved. So as far as Ravina is concerned, he raised the question. Ravashi attempted to answer it, but Ravina is not satisfied with the answer. As you can see, a slash mark appears indicating the following is a new trend of thought. On the side, we have a mivne, a diamond is featured under the mivne. The mivne is the structural note, and the diamond highlights shnei lishonos bedivrei rav Yehuda. There are two versions uh, as far as what Rabbi Yehuda says. Now the Gemara. Uh, actually, before we do the Gemara itself, maybe we should take a look at the, no say, the topic heading, Deus Boinon Signon. These are opinions regarding, we'll say, style. Eich achocham poseach or matir haneder. How does a chocham absolve one from a vow? Alidei charota is the expression of regret enough. Charota greater. Shanoder mischoret achshov shenoda. The the speaker, the vower, uh, regrets right now. He doesn't have any retroactive second thoughts, but rather from right now he regrets the situation he is in. Oi the pesach. Another form of absolution is called Pesach. Shanoider, Masbir, Shemekor, Lohoya, Noider, Ilu, Hoyo, Dea, Kach, Where the vower 
explains that had he known such and such, he wouldn't have taken the vow at the very outset. In general terms, we can say that the Harota method of absolution is much simpler. All that needs to be accomplished is, is that the speaker, the vower, says, oh, I, I right now regret my having taken the vow. I emphasize on the right now. I, I now regret. The Pesach method is more difficult. You have to analyze to the sage together with the, with the, with the client that's uh, coming for uh, absolution. They together have to analyze would the vower have made the vow uh, um, had, had, he, had he thought things out carefully from the outset. And that we call Pesach. As we go through the Gemara, uh, we want to encourage each one to look into the commentaries to what kind of action is, or what kind of uh, absolution is being accepted at any given point in the Gemara. And this topic will keep us, uh, will keep us involved, certainly till the uh, end of today's shear. So now the Gemara. Omar Rav Yehuda, Omar Rav Asi, Arba Medar Malot Srichim Shelo Lechacham. Ravira quotes Ravasi, and he says that these these the four nidorim, these four categories of vows, require absolution through the intervention of a Torah state, sage. Now Ravira continues telling his story. He says, "Ki amrisa kamei Shmuel Omar." When I said this over to Shmuel, namely that which Ravasi said that these four categories need uh, scholarly consultation, uh, Omar. So Shmuel said, Tana Tani, the Tana says, Arbunadorim Hitiru Chachomim. These four categories of vows, the rabbis um, allowed, they allowed, meaning they're not vows from the very outset. They don't even begin. And, and you say in Ravasi's name that they need to be consulted with by a Torah sage. Rav Yosef Masni Law Lishna. Rav Yosef presents the above discussion in the following version. Omar Rav Yehuda, Omar Ravasi, Ein Chochom Rashoi Lahatir, Elo Kein Arbo Nedorim Halolo. A Chochom cannot undo a vow unless it resembles the four categories of vows in the Mishnah. So what does that mean in practical terms? That a Chacham is restricted in how he can absolve vows to vows that resemble the four categories of the Mishnah. Now here, we're not saying that the four categories of the Mishnah themselves require uh, scholarly consultation. But rather... In, in general, vowel absolution cannot be done unless they resemble the four categories of the Mishnah. Kosovar, uh, Ravasi is of the opinion, that it's not enough for a person to come and say that I, re- I right now regret having made the vow. But rather, as we indicated before, more discussion and analysis between the Chochom and the client is required. We take a look at the 
run. And he pre- makes a presentation that is very, very basic in, and, and important in this area of Pesach versus Haroto. So now we look at the Ran on the uh, upper part of the narrow lines. Ein klomar. It's, this is this is is to say The sage is not to absolve through mere statement of regret on the part of the client, but rather he has to pesach means literally open up matters and look deeply into it. When a vow is absolved through the pesach method. Mochiach mitocho shunedutos. It proves uh, within itself. It, it we we demonstrate that the vow was a mistake from its outset. Vahave ke'enar bo nedorim. It's in this sense like the four nedorim, the four categories of the dorm of the Mishnah, which we explained aren't real vows from the very outset. Alva becharot lo, but. Absolution through mere expression of regret, that's not enough. Vahainu taimo the odiv pesach mecharata. And it's for the following reason that pesach is beneficial, more beneficial, is better, is more uh, more desirable than charata. Vahishikol neder shuhu nitar pesach. Any vow that's, re, that's uh, rescinded or absolved through pesach. The vower is saying that even from the very outset, had I paid attention to this particular matter that they uh, that they reveal uh, the client with the sage reveal in their discussion, he says lo no I wouldn't have vowed by saying that. We're demonstrating that the vow is essentially was as a it was mistaken at the outset. So by doing that, we're saying there really was no vow to begin with. <clears throat> if you say there's no vow to begin with, so we understand that the client is in, is totally in the clear. Avol nedershu nitar becharota, a vow that would be undone through expression of regret. Eino motze im atzmo shum inyan. He's not revealing anything that had he been more attentive then he wouldn't have avowed at the outset. All that he's saying is that right now, he's saying right now, He's saying that when I made the vow, I was in a state of wrath, or I was hasty, and it's because of that that I made the vow, and right now, I regret having done that. So, with that, we get so we gain an insight into the difference between Pesach and Charota, and Pesach, the Pesach method is a more, we'll say, more assured reliable, complete form of absolution because as we said it demonstrates that at the very outset the the nether would not have been taken. In the case of Harata, look at the ver- at the outset, at the beginning the man was enraged and because of his rage he he was he released some emotional 
um, uh, feelings through the vow. So he, it had some value to him at that point, but just now he regrets it. As you can see, there is a fundamental difference between the two. The uh, Rashi, Dibor Masu Elokein Nedarim Halalu, Rashi says, Vahani Hudisharu Mishum Deles Bumamish. The four categories of the Mishnah are non vows because there is no substance to them whatsoever. Avalshar Nedarim, low. Uh, but other Nidorim, not so. Other kinds of vows, a person cannot uh, release himself from them until he expresses some type of regret. Rashi continues, According to Rashi, says, Would you have made the netter um, with this in mind? Rashi's approach, it seems to me, is is uh, different than the Ran's approach, and that according to Rashi, the the sage is instructed: do not initiate the uh, what say do do not prompt the client by saying, would you have made the nether knowing this and this, but rather the client himself has to come forth and say, I regret having made the nether. So that approach is clearly different than the Ran's approach, where Rashi is placing the emphasis on the sage, that he the sage shouldn't be the one to open to start, to prompt the uh, client as you see, we have new geometric forms that require a little introduction. We glance at the side under the Mivneh heading. The triangle and double underline are featured. You see that we uh, have a series of cases uh, where the word hahu is put in a triangle, and you skim down the page, you can see quite a few of them. And in continuing the series um, uh, Marking, we have a double underline under the expression to Osala Kameh. So and so came in front of, and you'll see clients coming in front of different rabbis for absolution. And we've written Sidra Shalmaisim, Shebo Noidrim Lifne Rabonim Lahatir Nidrim, a series of incidents where vowers came in front of rabbis for absolution of vows. Heora Yesh Losim Lev. Heora means we want, to, uh, we want to note, or we want you to note that one should pay attention which path or which uh, style is the Chacham using in absolving the vow simple uh, regret now as far as um, uh, our Gemara marking shear is concerned we want to recommend that uh, in order to look at each case and analyze what is really the method being used to look into the commentaries. What we're going to be doing is presenting the Gemara at, uh, on, on a translation level. And the reason for that is, is that when you look in the commentaries, you sometimes find that the term that one commentary will refer to as Pesach, the other will refer to as Harota, and it becomes, uh, it could become a bit confusing. So, 
we're going to go through the Gemara, and we might, from time to time, make reference to one of the Meforshim, but uh, we're emphasizing that we're not revealing the entire story. That requires further analysis. The Gemara. A person who had a vow and wanted it absolved came to Ravuna Amalei, and Ravuna asked the fellow, Libcha Alecha? Now, here we'll look at Rashi. Amalei, Libcha Alech, Klomar, Omeid Atal Das, Harishona Shuritzoncha, Adayin Bosaneder. Do you still want that vow? Well, in the Gemara we see the fellow says, Amalei, Lo, no, I don't, I, I regret it. Visharya, and Ravuna absolved him. So, according, following the Rashi approach that we saw before, Ravuna was poseach becharata. He he prompted the fellow to express his regret. The Gemara continues: Hahu de also lekame de Rabo ba Ravuna, Omarle, and the and Rabo says to the fellow: Ilu hoyu asora bnei Adam sheifaisucha beisusha. If there were ten people that could have uh, assuaged your uh, uh, say angry emotions. Yefaisucha means appeased you. Had there been ten people that could have appeased you when you made the vow, me, Nadris, would you have made the vow? Omar lay low. He says, no. Had, had there been ten people at the time, uh, I would not have made the vow. Vahitiro and uh, Rabo. Uh, absolved him of the vow. What you see from this, according to Rashi, that for the person to simply express, uh, I right now regret the vow, that wouldn't have been enough. Rather, he had to uh, analyze and, and look at the situation from the outset. Had at the outset circumstances been different, would you have still made the vow? And he, he says, no, I wouldn't. And, and based on that, he, uh, Rabo Baravuna absolved him. And Rashi, at the end of Dibur Masul, Omar Leilav says, but in general, a simple expression of regret would not be enough. So right here, you see two different approaches to vow absolution, these two stories. And the Ravuna approach and the Rabo Baravuna approach. We continue in the Gemara. Tanya, Rebuta Oimer, Omrim Lola Odom, Levze Alecha, a sage, a, a Chochem, can uh, turn to the client and say, Is, uh, is, is this, Levze Alecha, literally, is this heart upon you? Um, we saw this expression, a similar expression before, Libcha Alecha, which meant, uh, Are you still feeling the same way you did at the beginning? Imam Arlav, if he says, no, I, I re- right now I don't feel the way I did it. I regret it right now. Matirin Oso. So we absolve him of it. That was the Charota approach. That we, that's Poshen B'Charota that we saw before according to Rashi. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi, Oimer, Mishum Aviv, Rabbi Shmuel quotes Rabbi Yossi, Omrim lo Adam, uh, a sage would say to the client, Ilu hoyu asor adam If there had been ten people 
to appease you when you were angry at the, that time when you made the vow. Me, not just would you have made the vow? Im Omar Lav, if he would say, no, I wouldn't have made the vow had that been the case at the beginning. Matirin Oso, we absolve him of the vow. So now, Rabbi Shmob Rabbi Yossi, he, as you can see, holds ein poishin becharata. As we saw before, in, in the case with Rabbi Baravuna, that we don't uh, prompt the client by simply a, a, uh, a suggesting that he, that if he regrets right now, that that would be enough. Hahut also kamei the Rebbe Asi. In the parentheses that the printer has, we have names of rabbis that are coming up, Ravasi, Elozer, Yoichanan, and Yanai. So the first involves a story involving Ravasi. Omalei, Ravasi asks the client, Kedu Tohis? Rashi explains, um, do you regret? Are you mitzta'er? Do you feel bad right now? Omalei, Lo? What, you don't think I feel bad? Visharya. And he uh, absolved him of the vow. We uh, were able to learn this Gemara, the thanks of, 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 in addition to the, thanks of course in addition to the Ran, who pointed out that the Omar Leilo is to be read with a Tmiha tone. The Gemara continues, Hahud Osala Kameh Rabalazar. Omar the Rabalazar asks, Bois Nodur? Rashi says on this phrase, Kibalta did you willingly accept this vow? The run on this it says, Bois Nodur, Arashov Benidrucha. do you want till this moment the neder? According to the run, that if uh, if you are someone that uh, is simply regretting from this point onwards the vow, but you're not regretting it from the very outset, so that's not enough for the vow to be rescinded. So now, that's what Rabbi Lozer was asking the client. Omar Le, we continue in the Gemara. The client response, Elu lo margizini had they not made me angry at the going back to the outset had they not made me angry I wouldn't have required any vow I wouldn't have sought out any vow so be it as you will in other words since you did not accept the vow uh, willingly at the outset so you are absolved. Be it as you really wanted. Again, this is an additional opinion holding that harota, expression of regret from this point on, is not enough. We continue in the Gemara. Ahi itza the Atrisolabarta. There was a, a woman that imposed a vow uh, on her daughter. So that you have a woman saying uh, to her daughter that I vow that you shall have no benefit from me. Also the Kameh to Rabbi Yochanan. The, uh, the woman comes to Rabbi Yochanan, Omar Law. Rabbi Yochanan says to the mother, Ilu havu yadis, 
the Amron Megirusayich Allah, the Bartach, that your Megirusayich, that your neighbors, upon hearing uh, the story of your vow, that your neighbors would say about your daughter. We continue at the top of the Avchof base. What would the neighbors say? With so the top line of Chofbeis, you can see a lot of Aramaic, meaning, had the mother, that's you, had, had that mother not seen in her daughter some type of reprehensible, immoral behavior, would the mother have vowed for nothing? So, in the eyes of the neighbors, the, the vow that, that you took is because your daughter must be guilty of some type of immoral behavior. So that the neighbors are saying, basically, your daughter is immoral. Would, would you have vowed, knowing that that would be the result? Me, Atrisa, would you have imposed the vow? Omrole, lo. No, I wouldn't have imposed the vow. Visharia and... Uh, he absolved her that's Rabbi Yochanan absolved her of the vow so you see again an example of the of the Rav uh, analyzing uh, the the circumstances of the vow from the very roots it, it could be according to the uh, Rashi commentary that from this story we, we really aren't going to conclude uh, as far as uh, the method of absolution. Be that as it may, this, uh, this story of Rabbi Yochan, if you really want, if you want to use it to reach conclusions about methods of absolution, uh, you'd have to look into additional commentaries uh, beyond that which we've said in our shear. With that, we conclude our shear for today.